Have you ever felt that some Bible studies are too much? You know, they're too long, they're too deep, they're too serious, they're too theological, and yeah, maybe they're too boring. <laughs> well, we're going to try to remedy that with this podcast, the Where's God? Finding Him in the Small Stuff Bible Study. We're going to take a close look at Scripture. We're going to look at the cellular base of what God was saying through His Word. But we're not going to make it too much of anything. We're going to try to make it just right for everything. When translators of various Bible editions sit down to put together the wording that they're going to use for certain parts of the Bible, uh, they have to decide, are they going to translate it word for word, or are they going to try to combine a thought into a more contemporary way of expressing what's going on? Uh, and sometimes they even will sit down and say, you know, this word that's in the original really isn't necessary uh, for the translation that we're doing. So sometimes when you sit down and you compare the original scripture in the original language to the translation that you're reading in your own Bible, you'll notice pretty significant differences um, although, by and large, for the, the whole picture, those differences aren't always all that important. Uh, when you go back, though, and look at the original passage in the original language, and you read it word for word, um, there are certain things that maybe were left out of your translation that give you a, a, a deeper appreciation and a better understanding of what the writer was actually trying to um, say. And so today we're going to go into Matthew chapter 28 and the story of Resurrection Morning written by Matthew. And we're going to compare uh, what most translations have about that passage to the original Greek uh, scripture and see what was left out and what was changed and if that makes a difference to our understanding of what was going on that morning. Uh, probably the most distinctive thing that most translations leave out is the way Matthew used the word behold. Behold. Most translations leave that out, and yet Matthew, in this short passage, uses behold several times, five or six times. He's trying to tell us, wow, can you believe this? Because he had a hard time believing it. And I think it just makes it even seem a more incredible thing, a more amazing miracle even, to think that even Matthew, one of Jesus' disciples who was there, was saying to us, and the way he wrote up the scripture, uh, the account that he wrote, behold, can you believe this? So today we're going to go in, we're going to compare uh, the translations of Matthew to the original Greek, 
And uh, maybe you'll feel the same about it when it's all said and done. That's what we're going to do in this edition of Where's God? Finding Him in the Small Stuff Bible Study. Okay, so today we are looking back, we're going back to our uh, series of looking into Resurrection uh, Day, and uh, we're still uh, looking at Resurrection Morning, and uh, today we're going to really concentrate on Matthew, uh, Matthew's account in Matthew chapter 28, and uh, we've talked a lot about the importance of uh, the resurrection, obviously, um, and how it's interesting. It's kind of a paradox in that it is the most important thing ever in history, the most important day ever in history, or ever will be, the resurrection day. Um, and yet, it seems like we don't spend a lot of time really delving deeply into it. And so, that's kind of why we decided to do this series. And uh, I go back to, uh, just as a reminder to what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, he said, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own turn, Christ the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. So that is a great synopsis and uh, you know, small little paragraph to reinforce just what we're saying, and that is the resurrection is so important and we really need to know about it and know what it's all about and, and dig into it a little, a little bit here. So, so that's what we're doing. So turn to Matthew um, chapter 28, and uh, we're going to pick up in verse 1. And I'm going to read this uh, through because um, what... Most translations today have, and what the original Greek says, there are some distinct, uh, I think, improvements on the Greek side rather than a lot of the translations that I've seen. So I'm going to kind of interject here as we read this, what, if you went back to the original Greek, what it, what it says. So, for example, it starts right off from the very beginning, actually. Verse 1 of chapter 28 uh, yours probably says after the Sabbath, something along those lines, right? Uh, well, in the original Greek, it says well after the Sabbath. 
well after the Sabbath, uh, at dawn on the first day of the week, which, of course, we know the Sabbath is on Saturday, so the dawn of the first day of the week would be Sunday. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, and we know who the other Mary was. The reason we know is because if you look back on chapter 27, verse 56, chapter 27, verse 56 says, among them were, these are, verse 55, many women were there watching from a distance. This was his crucifixion. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, or Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons, who would be the mother of uh, James and John. So among them were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Joseph. This is the other Mary that he's talking about here. He doesn't introduce her again because he's already introduced her in chapter 27. So anyway, so we're supposed to, just, supposed to know that. So the Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Behold, that's probably not in your translation, is it? Right. And I love, I, first of all, I love the word behold, and I'm so sorry they took it out of the translations. Because what, what does be, when someone says behold, what, what, what's your, what, what do you think that, what's your translation of the word behold, the interpretation? To me it means look now, because yeah. something important is happening. Yeah. Great excitement. Yeah. Exclamation. Yeah. yeah. I, I I think I think it's like Matthew saying, "Can you believe this? Can you believe this?" So they take it out, but he's saying, "Behold, can you believe this? There was a violent or do you have violent earthquake in yours?" Well, those of you who have great, that is actually the uh, Greek is great. There was a great earthquake. And the ESV has behold. Oh, it does? Okay, excellent. Good, good, good. Well, this, this is the NIV. It just says there was a violent earthquake. Yeah, exactly. Say, yeah, right, exactly. Most, most take it out. I'm glad the ESV has it. That's wonderful. Okay, so there was a great or violent or severe earthquake. Uh, so it was a, it was a big one. Because uh, the word in Greek is mega, basically, mega. So, you know, like you have a mega meal, you know, or a mega drink when you go through fast food. That means big, right? I mean, it's big. Okay. Uh for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, uh, and in the Greek it's descended from heaven, and mine has, uh, and I have the um, NIV too, it says, and coming down from heaven, and going to the tomb. Does yours say something like that? Yeah. And going to the tomb? Mine so Okay. So in the original it says, <laughs> the Lord came down from heaven, and having come, that's all it says, the Lord came down from heaven, and having come, which I think that's really all you really need, right? Because where else was he going? Guess up to the tomb. Did so he say an angel of the Lord? Though? Mm-hmm. Okay. An angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, having come, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. And I love the, the idea there of his appearance was like light. All of the four gospels talk about them, the white, the white, and the brightness of these angels. I started thinking about, you know, his appearance was like lightning, and I, I, I was thinking about, you know, how Moses' face was radiant when he met with God face to face, and how, remember Stephen's, we, we talked about Stephen, we looked at Stephen, how his face shone, had a radiance about it, um, 
And so I'm thinking, well, no wonder the angels have this radiance, this brightness, and this like lightning, this appearance, because they're in the presence of God all the time. So if Moses on occasion had a radiant face after a meeting with God just for a short period of time, these angels are in his presence all the time. So of course, they're radiating this wonderful light uh, that's the light of God uh, within them and around them all the time, the kind of reflection of his uh, radiance. So anyway, their appearance was like a lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. Uh, the guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. And in the um, the idea of shook is it's the same kind of uh, word in the Greek that earthquake comes from. So what Matthew here, here is trying to make kind of clear is that as there was an earthquake on, in, on the earth, when the angel came down, these guards had a personal earthquake of their own. And just like there's a trembling of the, the land on an earthquake physically, they were trembling, just like they were having their own personal earthquake. So Matthew wants us to make this connection between the earthquake uh, when, when the angel came, there was this earthquake in the land, but also there was this personal earthquake that these uh, guards were having, and they were trembling uh, in the same way. And then they became like dead men. Basically, they fainted. I mean, that's basically, they weren't pretending, they were actually out for a while. Does your translation say that they were shaken from fear of him? Uh, no, but... Um, well, it says they. It says they were so afraid. The guards were so afraid. Yeah, that they that uh, that of him that they shook. So yeah, they're yeah. The idea of being fearful is there, and they became like dead men. They they just fainted away. Now here I think is a very interesting situation. So the next verse in verse five, NIV says the angel said to the women, "Do you have something like that in yours? Anything any different than that?" Okay, well, that's not the phrase in the Greek. The Greek is, but answering the women. But answering the women, do not be afraid. So it's not the angel said to this, but answering the women. So, what was he answering? What was the angel answering? There must have been something. What's going on? Exactly. <laughs> What is going on here? Well, actually, Mark gives us the answer to that. If you want to turn over to Mark um, 16, uh, verse 1, uh, Mark 16, 1 says, When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome, that's a new name, of the, people think Salome was the name of the mother of James and John. Uh, bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance to the tomb? So there's the question. Who's going to roll the stone away? How are we going to get in the tomb? How are we going to get to Jesus' body? What are, I'm, sure that, I'm sure they weren't just that one sentence, that who will roll the stone away. But they were discussing the problem that they were going to have to get in, they brought these spices, they prepared the spices, they want to go in and see Jesus' body, but how are they going to do it? So when Matthew says, but answering the, uh, but answering the angel, you know, but answering the women, I think 
he's referring to this conversation they were having about how are we going to get in there? And so this angel answered that question for them. But answering, the, the angel said, Do not be afraid, for I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. And do you guys have anything different than that? Where he lay? Come and see where he lay? Well, in the original Greek, it says, Come and see the place where the Lord was lying. Come and see the place where the Lord was lying. And I like that better. I like having the Lord in there. Rather than just he, just some you know random he. And past tense. And past tense. Yeah. The place where the Lord was lying. Yeah. And where he lay also has it's also kind of a passive, but I think it's more clear in in where he was lying. He was lying there, he ain't there no more. And I love putting the the place where the Lord was lying. Verse seven. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and Behold, as yes, we have behold there, Mike. Okay, good. Uh, has risen from the dead, and behold, you can't believe it, but he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you, and I, I love that about the angel. He's like, I've done my job. I told you. I was told to come and tell you. I told you. I've done my job. Now I've told you. Now it's up to you. Right? I did my job. You go do your job. Verse 8, so the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy. Do you have anything other than joy there? Well, there is a word in the original Greek uh, in front of the word joy, and it's to be filled with great joy. Great joy. Okay, great joy. And so here again, Matthew is trying to tie these three things together. The earthquake on the, the, the ground, the personal earthquake of the soldiers, and the earthquake of joy for the women. And there was a great earthquake, and there is great joy, using the same word to describe them both. So as, as significant and outstanding and as noticeable as was the earthquake, so is noticeable and important and meaningful is the great joy. It's the same level. As great as the earthquake was, their joy was just as great. And so, uh, and they ran to uh, tell his disciples, Behold, <laughs> now NIV has suddenly, uh, the yes, I guess the SV has behold. Okay, great. Mine has behold. Okay, great, excellent. So behold, Matthew saying, "Can you believe it? Jesus met them. Greetings," he said. Uh, and we're, we're going to talk about that greetings when we get into doing a little bit more of a deep dive here. But um, there's two ways to look at this, and I don't want to go too much now, but just as a, qu- a quick little taste. So the word used there in Greek for greetings is the common word that's used for greetings, uh, for you know hello uh, in that day in the, the Greek the Greek, but it also has a deeper meaning too that word. So some people say that Jesus just 
use the common word to greet the women, like, hey, hello, hey, hey, hello. Uh, because the idea there and what Matthew wanted to say was uh, to Jesus, the resurrection was no big deal. It's just like, hey, guys, hey, hey, hello, hey. Uh, and Jesus didn't make a big deal of it for, for, because for him, the resurrection was just, it wasn't a problem. It wasn't a big deal. It was just done. It was a done deal. So by just using a common term to greet the women, he was just saying, hey, you know, this is, don't be, why are you so, you know, don't be so surprised and shocked that this happened because not only did I tell you, but it was no big deal for me to do it. Or was he going for the deeper meaning, which we'll talk about that later. Okay. Uh, so they came to him and clasped his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers or my brethren to go to Galilee. There they will see me. And then we get into all of the stuff with the guards. So um, let's go ahead and read that, actually, because I want to cover that, too. So verse 11, while the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, see, Mike, you elders, man, you got to be careful, you know? <laughs> Don't be led down the primrose path by those chief priests now. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, not a good plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling this is a large sum of money, telling them, you are to say, his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. So here's the thing. If they were asleep, how did they know that the disciples came and stole their body? Like, this doesn't even make sense from a logical standpoint. It's like, okay, what happened to his body? Uh... Well, they came and the disciples came and took it away. Well, how did, uh, why didn't you stop them? Well, we were asleep. Well, if you're asleep, how do you know his disciples came through his body? You know, it doesn't make any sense. Verse 14, if this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. And basically... The only people, it, with, with all the evidence of Jesus' resurrection that came after, you know, resurrection day, um, the only people that really would believe that story are the people who really wanted to believe that story. If you were open in any objective way, uh, you would know that he absolutely had to have risen. Um, but the people who believed that were the people who didn't want to believe in the resurrection to begin with. So that gave them... A, uh, a, a something else to, to, to claim that happened. So, all right, we don't have two. Yes. There's another beholding, verse 11. Verse 11, let me see. Did I, did I miss that? Which one is While it? While they were going, behold, some of the guard went to the Oh, okay. Good. Let me put that in here. And, and when the, what, what, where is it, Mike? Uh, behold, While some of the guard went into the city. Oh, excellent. When the, okay, excellent. Behold, okay. I'm going to look at mine and we'll come back to that. We go into it deeper. So excellent, great. Well, there you go. And again, can you believe that this? Happened? Can you believe? So it's it's fantastic. I just I love that original thing. So we don't have a lot of time, but let's let's at least kind of get started on a, on a, just a couple of things here. So in verse one, I mentioned that um, that Matthew starts right off the bat with a difference than what we have here, and because he says, well after the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week. So how can it be if it's dawn of the first day of the week, and if 
you know, the Sabbath is on Saturday, how can it be well after the Sabbath? And it gets back to the way that the Jews accounted for their days. And it goes all the way back to Genesis, where God said there was night and there was day, the first day. So the way the Jews counted for a day was from sundown uh, was the uh, beginning of a new day and the end of the previous day. Because that was, you know, the first night, and then there was night, and then there was day. So instead of counting, like, from midnight to midnight, like we do for a day, they counted from sundown to sundown. So the Sabbath day, which was Saturday, actually started at sundown on Friday. And then it ended at sundown on Saturday. So when Matthew is talking about well after the Sabbath, what he means is that, Let's just hypothetically say that sundown was 6 o'clock on Saturday. So that was the end of the Sabbath day, was 6 o'clock on Saturday. This happened the morning of the next day, which let's just say it was, what, 5 o'clock? So if that was it, then you have 6 hours till midnight from 6, and then another, so you have 11 hours. So basically, let's say the Sabbath ended at sundown on Saturday, which was 6 o'clock and this happened at 5 o'clock the next morning, that would have been 11 hours after the Sabbath. So what he's just saying here is that it, you know, it, was, it was some time after the Sabbath uh, that it happened, and, and by way of reckoning, probably about 11 hours, as it turned out. So, so it says, uh, And uh, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. And my question is... Uh, you know, what is it about looking at the tomb? In other words, they prepared these spices and they were coming to supposedly try to prepare his body for burial, not trusting that the men were able to do it properly on Friday with Joseph, Arimathea, and Nicodemus. Uh, I know how you women are, you know. I know you didn't wash those clothes right. So, uh, which most of the time is true in my case. Um, so, but anyway, but what Matthew says is they went to look at the tomb. What is it about, you know, looking at the tomb? And, 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 and you know, you get the feeling that they were going to go anyway, whether that stone got rolled back or not, right? Yeah, right. So in their thinking, they're thinking, ideally, we're going to get in there and prepare Jesus' body. But even if we don't, it's worth making the trip to the tomb. Why? Well, the, the word look there, when it says that they went to look uh, at the tomb... It means more than just, in the original Greek, it means more than just going to look at something. It means more than just going to observe something with your eyesight. The idea in the Greek is that you're going there, is that you're looking at something with the purpose and the goal of trying to understand it. 
you know, it's not the physical, you're not going there to physically look at a tomb, although you will do that, but you're going there to try to understand, understand what this tomb means, understand what's going on, um, to just have this connection emotionally when you get there that's different than if you're not there. You know, you, you, you know that Jesus is buried there, and from a distance, you have a certain emotional connection. But something about going physically through the tomb and seeing it made these women think that it would help them understand what was going on, and they would have some type of a, a closer emotional connection and response by being there at the tomb than they did by not being there. Isn't that kind of like going to the cemetery on Memorial Day? That's what I was going to say. There's something in our spirits that make us want to go, go, go there and see. And you know, after we bury somebody, after I bury my parents, and probably the same with all of you, there's something about going there after they're where they're going to be. Yeah. Right. My family last August went to explore our roots and did that very thing. Yeah. Uh, but it really registers when you see your grandparents, well, and their parents, and, and, and yeah. you know, on both sides of the family, it's like, you know, it connects. There's an emotional connection, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. I mean, for us, too. I mean, my uh, grandparents are buried in West Virginia. We are, almost never get over there. We don't have really any family there anymore. But when we used to, my son went to school there, and so we used to go over to visit him, and I would take the family on, I call it the McCollum Memory Tour. Go, this is the high school I went to. This is the, the this, this is where we, this is where we went after football games and ate our meals, and this is where we hung out, and this is where I put graffiti on the rock, and this is, but, uh, but we'd always go to the cemeteries, you know? This is where my grandparents are buried, and this is where, you know, uh, my mom is buried. And uh, there was just something, I don't know what it is, you know, but it's true though. You, you know what I'm talking about. There's something about just be. I mean, I love my mom, my grandparents as much here as I do there. But when I'm there, there's just something, I don't know how to describe it. There's just something more that happens when you're physically there. I see the, I see the headstone, I see the grave, I see the cemetery, I see all the things around me. So I look and I observe, but I'm looking with my heart. Let's just say that. And that's what they want to do. They want to go to the tomb and look with their heart at what was going on there. Uh, when I go to my grandparents, you know, when you're a kid and you have grandparents, they're old. My grandparents were old from the first day I remember them. Okay? 30. Yeah, right. But they were old. They were grandma and grandpa. They're old. And the thing that struck me most when we first did this is, you know, my grandparents died when I was young, and my grandma when I was in high school, all this. But so I go back, and I don't know. Didn't register at the time. I looked at the at the at the headstones. I was like, oh my gosh, they were so young, like sixty, you know, sixty one. And I'm like, I'm older than them now. And it's yeah. kind of shocking, you know, when you see that. So, yeah. well, I think that's a good place to stop. That, that that first verse is so so meaningful. And I think we just read it over. They went to look at the tomb. 
And it's a shame because when you get into the Greek and the original language, what Matthew was trying to tell us, well, they didn't just go to there to look at the tomb. They went there to have this heart connection, this emotional connection, this, I got to be, I just, I gotta, there's, you know, be, being there is more than not being there. And they were so raw. And they said, we just got to, even though we can't, I think what they were saying really was, we hope to get there, but if we can't, we still need to be there to, understand it better, to have this connection, just to, to have this heart connection with them that's different there than it is not there. You know that. And that's exactly why we do go to cemeteries still today to visit, if, if we're close enough, our mothers and grandparents and, uh, God forbid, children or whatever, uh, that there's something special there that happens that doesn't happen anywhere else. I say the same thing about a Sunday school class or church. We have a feel, we have a we have a spiritual invigoration here that happens only here in church or Sunday school, where we gather together as brothers and sisters in Christ to worship and to serve and to understand. And God is here, and so His presence among us resonates with His Spirit within us. And there's a spiritual invigoration that doesn't happen. When you have a PTA meeting, or you have a, a home association meeting, or you have any other meeting, it only happens here in this place at this time, and it, all, they, it only happens at the cemetery when we go there. It only happens for the women there at the tomb. Uh, that's what they were expecting to experience. Get something even better than that at the end, but that's what they were. That's why they were going. So that's all I have for today, Mike. So okay. Thanks, yeah. So what is our plan for? Future studies. Are we going to? We're, yeah, we're going to keep doing this. Okay. Yeah, we're going to go through all four of them, okay. and then we're also going to look what happened during the afternoon on the road to Emmaus, and what happened that night in the upper room. So we got a few weeks to go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I think I'll let you know. I think we're going into the uh, chapel next week. Oh really? Yeah. That'd be met, so good. You've met there last week and are meeting this week, and I, they hadn't hooked up the AV stuff yet. But uh, even if they don't, I think we'll probably just go down there. And it'll be nice on the next Sunday with all the activities and everything going on to be kind of right there in the center of things. So. Yeah, I don't right, really... Right by the donuts. Yeah. Right by the donuts. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> no. So I'll let you know. I'll send a note out. But it's looking like we'll be down, Great. down there next week. So that'll be nice. And I don't know. Are we supposed to be done with this class at 9 10 15 or 10 30. 10 30. Okay. It's only 10 30. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was. I'm sorry. I thought we had to be done by 10 15. Yeah, I think it's 10 30 because they. uh, they... I mean, we've always got. The idea was the service generally, the church service would generally go. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Well. And we've kind of always went to 10 45. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So. So, if you got more, you can go. And if not, we'll, we'll, we'll get out and get some. Chuck, Chuck's got something. We've got time for Chuck. Uh, this was so good because, you know, Judy comes from the South, and the cemeteries are a big deal. You know, oh, yeah, they are. And this, what I'm going to say is not, if, if you've ever had somebody in your family has been cremated or not, you know, I know all the arguments in cremation, you know, the Lord can reassemble a body no matter what. But I also, because of the things I was teaching at the lodge, I looked into burial and all in the Bible and all. It seems like burial is highly recommended in the Bible, in the scriptures, for the reasons I think we've just been talking about. 
But you think about cremation and that's even scattered. I mean, where are you going to go to, you know, unless you just go to the place where they were scattered, you know? Well, were you there that Sunday David talked about cremation versus burial? And so. uh, again, he said that if you, if the cost was the reason yeah. that the church would pay the difference between oh. cremation and burial, right. and he felt that we should be buried because yeah. Jesus was buried. Right. But, but people have different views. Yeah. And because cremation really started with the Hindus. Right. And, and that was the, you know, so I, I agree. I, I want to be buried, and I yeah. made that really clear to my kids. Yeah. But um, it, I, mean, I know a lot primarily of people look at it for cost, I think. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's come up in our family, and I have made a pretty strong stand about it. Yeah. Uh, and so it just, I don't like the cost either, but I thought, you know, people spend thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 on a car, <laughs> you know, and worry about a $10,000 you know, funeral bills, which with all of the closure and all the wonderful family. It just, I mean, the conversation here, it sounds like a lot of people see that. And what you brought out is really important. My dad's a Baptist minister. He chose cremation. I mean, it's yeah. a, and my mom. Yeah. But, you know, and I can't, that's what they chose. It's okay. Yeah. You know. My parents chose their graves so they were facing east because they wanted the first view. <laughs> <laughs> they did that. That's actually quite common in some uh, some cemeteries. They only bury people yeah. facing, facing the east. east. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, wow. Yeah, which is interesting. But um, well, my sister, we were talking about this the other day actually, and uh, she's kind of thinking about being cremated. And she goes, she's looked into some of the research. She goes, believe it or not, Greg. She goes. You can actually get, there's a, like a place where you can have your ashes sent and they'll put them in a, a firework thing oh, and they'll yes. shoot you off. They'll shoot your ashes off in a firework and explode and you'll just be spread all over the place. She goes, I think I might do that. I'm like, okay, Peggy, you know, uh, whatever you say, dear. <laughs> I think with COVID, too that a lot of people who would have chosen burial didn't have much of a choice. They cremated a lot of people. Yeah, in that case, I would say put it in an urn, put it in a place where you know you can go there and still have right. that emotional connection. I think that's what my son-in-law's uh, grandma was cremated, Joyce, and I think they actually buried or ashes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, some people. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you can get. I think with families, so spread apart that people don't go to graves like no. they used to. No, no, Because no. no. my I sister chose was... to be cremated, and each of her sons got some of the yeah. ashes. Oh. I figure my grave will be just covered with weeds, and no one will even. Have no idea. <laughs> I don't know where to even be buried. You yeah. know, but uh, yeah. I think well, a lot of times these family. Well, I'm from West Virginia. Yeah. And a lot of times there's family cemeteries, that's what mm -hmm. ends up because, yeah. Well, you said they you don't go, have grave keepers. And you go see your, fam your family? Well, they moved to the city. They moved to Huntington, and there's a <laughs> cemetery there where my grandparents are buried, and then all my mother's brothers and sisters and in-laws and it's like grandma and grandpa are buried up here along with somebody's wife that died very young 
and the rest of them are down here in a different area and it's like when I go back it's like I'm not exactly sure where the grandparents are but I am not leaving till I find that yes and I can sit and a lot of times I still take flowers to a lot of places now have maps for the yeah, yeah. so where my family's from uh, down down south uh, it's called decoration yeah. Yes. 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 And it is a huge event. Yes. Um, what day is it like at a it's holiday? Third, third yeah. Sunday in May. Third Sunday in May? Third Sunday in May. Mm -hmm. And so I, I don't know why, I don't know what the significance of that mm -hmm. is, but Sherry and I have been, been down there because typically all the families come to the cemetery and bring enormous flowers. I mean, isn't it? It's yes. incredible. You, you won't believe what you see. And then there's this like everybody visits with everybody for a couple, two or three hours. And then everybody goes for a reunion of some sort. But it's, like a, it's a big deal to honor your honor your parents yeah. or your loved ones. Where south? Like Texas? Oh, no. No, Somerset, Kentucky. Oh, Kentucky. Not really yeah, right. It's a big deal. Hmm. Uh, Another thing that this is hard for me to talk about because I was at Marshall University where the plane crashed. Oh. Um, and, excuse me, they have a memorial service every year. There's a memorial fountain and they turn it off on the day of the plane crash. And they're actually, they just brought a bunch of boys from Mueller over to play football. And there are three of them that were in the crash that are buried up here in a cemetery. And somebody said something about maps, but yeah, you can find their graves there. And they're still, there's a sister that has carried on a lot of things that have to do with those Mueller kids that were in that crash. So there's another example. I'll give you a couple of West Virginia stories because um, I'm from West Virginia as well. And uh, my mom got buried in a cemetery that was partly a cemetery for people, but also partly a cemetery for pets. And she had two beloved dogs who died who were buried there in the pet cemetery. And so when she said where she wanted to be buried when she died, she wanted to be close to them. And uh, Digger and Butch. Butch. Digger and Butch. <laughs> and so she's right down the hill, up the hills, the pet cemetery, down the hills where her, her cemetery is. No, they don't co-mingle. <laughs> no, they're separate. They're close, but separate. But what was interesting is that it used to be that this was out an old country road, you know, and yeah. kind of a rural area place where, the, uh, where, where it was, the cemetery. But about, I don't know what, 10 years or so after she passed away, they put an interstate yeah. right through that cemetery, almost virtually. So now she's like, she's here and the inter the overpass is right there. It's like, yeah. it kind of takes away the ambiance, you know, but, <laughs> yeah. but that was, that was her, that was her, her point. On the other hand, and this is not a good thing, but just, I mean, to just to be honest about it, when my grandparent, my grandfather on my dad's side, my paternal grandfather, you know, he grew up in a time when 
you know, uh, black people in West Virginia, you know, they were just in many cases looked down on. And he was one of those guys who just didn't like black people, you know, just that's just the way he was. He, but it's interesting because he, he never said that to me. I never would have ever gotten that from him. And I didn't even find out about it until after he passed away when some of the other brothers and sisters were talking about him. Uh, in that way, I, it never transposed to me. As a matter of fact, I never will forget when I we lived in West in New Jersey for a while. My best friend down the street was a little black boy, and uh, when my grandparents were coming to visit one time, my mom said, "Make sure you have him come down where your grandpa is here. And it, inter, introduce introduce him as your best friend." You know, I had no idea what was going on. You know, see how see good. But anyway, so long story short is long story longer, but. Uh, when he passed away, somehow, somehow, some way, I ended up getting some of the, and this is just recently within the last uh, five or six years or whatever, I got documents and stuff from my grandparents' days, and it had in there the contract for the cemetery, which they bought ahead of time, you know, their, their plots ahead of time. So I'm just reading through this, just kind of seeing what was on, and there's a, a, there's a paragraph in there that says, in the contract says, this is going to be a cemetery for only whites. And I'm like, well, that explains why they picked this one, you know, unfortunately. Uh, now, it's not the case today, obviously, it's be against the law. But, uh, you know, this is the kind of thing that people did back in the day. And uh, you go out there now, it's a beautiful place. And you, you think about that history, and it's just a terrible. That's where my grandparents are and my uh, dad is. And talking about not being close where you can go visit them. I have a, a cousin uh, who lives near there, and she goes every now and then to the cemetery because her parents are buried out there in the same cemetery. And she'll go by and she'll leave flowers at my dad and grandparents, and she'll take a picture and she'll send it to me. And I'm like, oh, it's so nice of you to take care of take care of them in that way. So, but you know, you're right. I mean, there's as we just we've been discussing. I mean, there's just something about having a place to go, and I think if you have an urn, like Chuck said, having a just having a place to put it is uh, meaningful because it, it it gives people after you a place where they can go and have that connection. And I think that's uh, that's if you can do it, if you can afford to do it, it's good to do that. You know, because if you're a believer, you know, you're on to bigger and better things. Mm-hmm. But the people you leave behind, they're the ones who grieve, and they're the ones who you know you can help maybe alleviate some of that by. Just giving them a place to go, which I think is a good thing. Well, that's another, oh, I was just going to say, I don't think it always has to be a cemetery, though. I mean, one of my best friends and my, one of my walking partners, her son died, and they donated his body. He was 33, I think. So, you know, after a year, they they do cremate all the remains, all the people that the bodies donated, and they bury them and all that. Yeah. But... We planted a tree in the park where we walk. In Julep? In Julep. Oh. And so it's a mile lap, and on our second lap, every time, so several times a week, we stop, and we always stop and for Tim. Yeah. And it's just, we always do. And That's great. Now, Mary's not with us. We usually just wave to him. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but she always says that it means more to her. Much yeah. more to her there right. than where he's actually buried. Yeah. And Do they and have we, to be cremated if their bodies don't. 
Yeah, um, well, is cremation the only choice? Well, they're they're you know preserved yeah. and, and they're all cut. Up. Well, I mean, I guess you. I, I don't know that that's the case. Okay. And there may be exceptions to that, but like if anybody's considering it, I'm sure. But I mean, you wouldn't be all medicine. together. I know. I know. But I love the idea, though. Of, I mean, there's a place. It's just there's, and there's there, yeah. I think that's a great that's a great option, you know, to have a place that you can so go. It's still it's still a physical place. Yeah. If you don't have a place you I love that idea. That's a great idea. I, I don't like the term cemetery. I like better word cancer. It's the angel part. Okay. I love <laughs> I love that. How many have been to Vietnam Wall in Washington? I haven't. I've seen the replica. What an emotional mm -hmm. I mean there you're just remembering all of those people, and of course, if you knew somebody and you went right. over their name, I mean, you cannot. I mean, I'm tearing up just thinking about it. It's just, and they're taking portions of that as, as okay. trucks are going around the country. Yes. Wow. For instance, where I grew up, yeah. we had. Uh, I'm a we're at the era for Vietnam. Yeah. Why? One of my classmates, uh, they in Facebook that had come through town, and people were. Yeah, replica, and they were yeah. That's a meaningful. That's so. You know, people go there and they do the pencil yeah. with the name, you know, and that kind of thing, which is so cool. Arlington National Cemetery is huge. Oh, yes. yes. Or the 9 11. I've been to all three of those memorials. Wow. It's just, just, uh, it's just something special. It's just something special. Remembrance. I know yeah. God wants us to. In the Flight 93 memorial. Yes. Phone recordings that the, oh, wow. the people like, made from the plane uh, to their loved ones and uh, honor each one of those. Anyway. I think for today's to, for today the point of today's lesson, we're all resonating with the fact is that they went there because something happens there that they didn't just go to look. And too often when we read that, we just oh he went to look. No, they went to have this emotional connection to a place that represented them where Jesus was and Jesus at the time. But going off what you just said, uh, Jim, I'm gonna start calling stop calling them grave sites. I'm gonna start calling them saint sites or angel sites or something much much better than a grave site. I like that better. That concludes this episode of Where's God? Finding Him in the Small Stuff Bible Study. I pray that you've learned something new about the Lord today, and He's given you some new insight into who He is and how much He loves you. Remember, the eternal God is our refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. May in that refuge today and those everlasting arms you find the provision that you need, the protection that you need, the power that you need, and through those, the peace that you need. Remember, he said, my peace I give you. Peace be with you. Shalom.